This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening. Welcome to the Lit Lit Show on Thursday, the 8th of June. I'm your host, Paul Hazard. And with me tonight is recently retired principal, Dr. Julie Greer. On tonight's show, we talk about teacher identity. Let's get to it. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the show this evening. Lovely sunny evening on the 8th of June and not too long to go now until the end of term. I'm just waiting for my guests to join and I think that should be able to happen soon. So tonight we're hoping to talk about teacher identity. I suppose it's something that, you know, we don't really think about an awful lot. It's just something we kind of assume as a mantle. We become teachers and certain things are expected of us and we behave in in certain ways. I know around here where I live, um, quite often, you know, you would be known by your profession or by your job. So, you know, quite often I would be, oh, Paul, Paul Hazard, the teacher. And you get that kind of add on or moniker or something that kind of goes along with your name. Um so, you know, uh, we, we do all have an identity, and I suppose the profession teachers have an identity. They behave in certain ways, there are expectancies, and, you know, they fall into ways of uh, behaving in that way, managing classes, and, and so on. Anyway, uh, before we get to it tonight, we're going to listen to the news. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. This programme has been brought to you by The Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready-to-go, well-being and mental health programme will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and well-being tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The Guardian covers news about the downturn in the numbers of pupils choosing languages and creative arts subjects at GCSE and A-level. 
the article quotes provisional figures for England, which suggests the exam entries for languages such as German, French and Spanish have fallen at A-level by as much as 17%. GCSE entries have stayed broadly the same. The article goes on to contrast this with the rise in A-level entries for computing by 15% on last year and a 12% increase at GCSE. Business studies is also increasingly popular at GCSE. Data from Ofqual suggests that entries for A-level and GCSEs are on the rise, but that not all subjects are seeing the benefit. Performing arts subjects are also seeing a reduction in numbers at A-level and GCSE, as are those in the area of art and design. The move to more vocational style subjects has been welcomed by some, but has caused others to worry about the loss of creativity for the next generation. Schools Week reports on Capita, the outsourcing company paid to run SATs, and its decision to increase workload for those it employs to mark. Technical issues have already caused a delay to marking, with some not able to access necessary training. Now teachers say the rates they are paid are also being slashed. Rate cards show how those marking some SATs papers could receive as little as 2p per segment, down from 6 pence last year. And whilst the overall fee this year is likely to be similar to last, the number of responses markers are expected to mark has increased by over 50%. It is feared that this could lead to rushed marking, which may then lead to errors. Some critics also predict teachers walking away, leaving a backlog of unmarked tests. The deadline to return marks to schools is in July. TES reveals the names of those appointed to the expert panel to review relationships in sex education, known as RSE, and the health education curriculum. The guidance will be published for consultation in the autumn. The five members of the panel were appointed after Education Secretary Gillian Keegan wrote to schools in March to ensure they were complying with their legal obligations to publish their RSE approach and share curriculum materials with parents. The government has been criticised for taking too long to issue guidance amid concerns schools and teachers felt left in limbo. The panel members are Professor Dame Leslie Regan, Professor of Obstetrics and Gynaecology and Women's Health Ambassador, Sir Hamid Patel, CEO of Star Academies, Helena Brothwell, Regional Director of School Improvement for David Ross Academies Trust, and Alistair Henderson, a barrister specialising in public law, human rights and equality law. The final panel member is Isabel Trowler, Chief Social Worker for Children and Families in England. Finally, vaping continues to make the news, with ministers stating they want schools to be part of the crackdown. The Chief Medical Officer for England, Professor Sir Chris Whitty, however, probably summed up the key messages best in an article for The Times. He said, If you smoke, vaping is much safer. If you don't smoke, don't vape. He goes on to say that companies trying to addict children for profit are behaving in a shameful way because we do not know the long-term effects of many vape ingredients. The government also announced that the issue of vaping would be added to its review of RSHE curriculum. However, some have already criticised the information provided by government so far as lacking depth and detail. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this is Steve Woods.
This week, I'm going to take a look at report writing. I'll ask the burning question, can chat GPT write my school reports? Yes, I know there are other AIs out there, but this is the most well-known. Before I start, just give me a yes or no in your head. Will it be able to? So, first up, I blatantly asked it, can you write school reports? And chat GPT said, certainly, I can help you write the school report. Please provide me with the topic or subject of the report, along with any specific guidelines or requirements you have been given. Additionally, provide me with any relevant information or key points you'd like me to include in the report. Okay then. I said, James is good at history and weaker in maths than English. This generated a 961 word report. Here is the opening paragraph. In this report, we will explore James's academic strengths and areas for improvement in different subjects. James demonstrates a strong aptitude for history while he faces challenges in mathematics when compared to his proficiency in English. In conclusion, James exhibits a strong aptitude for history, showcasing a profound understanding of historical concepts and critical thinking skills. His performance in English is commendable, with excellent written and verbal communication skills. However, James faces challenges in mathematics, particularly in problem-solving and advanced mathematical reasoning. By providing him with the necessary support, encouragement and resources, we can help James strengthen his mathematical abilities and achieve a more balanced academic profile. <laughs> oh, wow. Right, so what if I get even lazier? I typed, write a primary school report for Tom. This produced a 477-word report covering English, math, science, social studies, personal and social development, resilience and perseverance, responsibility and organisation, finishing with an area for development being handwriting. ChatGPT doesn't half know what Tom is like. My conclusion, given enough information, it could give you a decent report. However, it'd work best as a proofreader slash tidier upper. Give it a brief report and ask it to make it look more professional or ask it to write the same report in five different ways. Letting ChatGPT give you the vocabulary will save you time. Just remember that it uses American spellings. Quite frankly, I was quite blown away by what was produced. This is definitely a time saver when you're trying to say the same thing in different ways. Do you use AI to help you with anything? Let us know at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. This programme has been brought to you by The Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready-to-go, well-being and mental health programme will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and well-being tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. Welcome back, everybody, and a special hello to our guest, Dr. Julie Greer. Hello, Julie. How are you? Hi. Hi, Paul. Yeah, I'm really well. Thank you. That's good. That's good. Great. So, Julie, like myself, you're recently retired. How's that all going? 
<laughs> not not so well. <laughs> not so well. <laughs> no, no, it's going really well in the sense that I'm I'm doing lots, which is is great. Um, good. And, uh, but yeah, keeping busy certainly. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And Julie, you were uh, a principal then, and a bit like myself, you had an interest in teacher identity. Yes, so I was a, a head teacher for nearly 30 years for primary school. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, just loved my, my job really. And I suppose um, one of the things that brought about my interest in, in teacher identity was was being asked to write a book on workload, um, which is somewhat ironic for anybody who knows me, because um, uh, I do, as you've already gathered, sort of throw myself into into most things. But you do. <laughs> you do. But as a result, I really, you know, I wanted to to try and write a, a useful, um, uh, I, I suppose, useful advice for particularly teachers coming into the profession around how to manage the, their workload. And and you really can't separate teacher identity from that. And the more I read about it, the more I researched, the more that became um, really evident. And, and I suppose what it enabled me to to recognize was that teacher identity had been so strong for me throughout my career from from the very first sort of day in my uh, first you know uh, paid teaching post in Southwark in London you know it was it started to you know as that that sense of who I am as a teacher has really sort of stayed stayed with me but also evolved and I think that's some of what would be good to really try and unpick yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Julie, then just for our listeners, um, you know, what is teacher identity? What do you see as as teacher identity being? Yeah, it's certainly it's a, it's a complex, um, uh, complex notion, really, uh, and often is, is interchangeable with sort of teacher self. Some people talk about teacher self, other people talk about teacher identity. Um, oh. But the way that I, I like to think about it is, is that it is, it's, it's a sort of mixture of the the you that you would like to be, the teacher I would like to be, and the teacher that you are, um, and that's that comes together from from probably your your very early notions of uh, being a teacher. I mean, it's quite a unique, um, in many ways, it's quite a unique profession, isn't it? Because we all experience schools, we all experience being taught well most, most people do um yeah the experience you know being in in schools and colleges as institutions um mm -hmm. and then we also because everybody has that you know sort of universal experience everybody has an opinion on it as well so when you go into the profession you're already sort of shaped by not uh not just who who you want to be but but how how I guess that's been formed by all the other teachers that you've come across and all those other depictions of teachers as well yeah. um, in the press and the, the media and you know now is quite an interesting time isn't it for teacher identity with with you know so many teachers um, I suppose in many ways sort of demanding a change to to terms and conditions you know asking questions mm -hmm. about the role of of Ofsted, for example, and I, although it would be fair to say it's not that those questions haven't been asked before, but but yeah. they are current in the media, aren't they? And and it, I think it's certainly true that the media plays a big part in that. Um, 
we get yeah. that, that sense of i mean i suppose i could ask you or what i mean what sort of a teacher would you would you say you know you you were you are yeah that's a very good question you see and i come from a lineage of teachers um my parents were both teachers uh many of their brothers and sisters were teachers and uh i have uh, a brother and two sisters and at varying stages we were all teachers so there's quite a a a lineage there of um or quite a history really of uh, teaching in the family and i remember as a young uh teacher in training my parents would both have said to me, you know, what the expectations were. This is how a teacher behaves. This is the way a teacher dresses. Uh, this is what's expected of you. Yeah, so it's very interesting. Um, I suppose then as well, uh, one of the jobs I had at one stage was um, a teacher tutor. Uh, so basically, I looked after student teachers coming into the school. And one of the things. Huge responsibility. Oh, yeah, yeah. But one of the, and, and you know, it was a disparaging remark, but it was made quietly in the staff room is teachers would always say, oh, you know, I think he'll be all right. He looks like a teacher. <laughs> you know, and there's something. <laughs> if, if you to look into gender and, and uh, you know, the impact of, of other people's perceptions of teacher identity in relation to gender. I mean, have we got enough time for that? <laughs> not tonight. No, not tonight. We don't. <laughs> That'll be for another time. (laughs) Don't get me started. Yeah. No, and 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 you're right. You know, two of uh, two of my four children are are teachers, and and you know they're they're certainly you know keen to be doing really well. They and I suppose I was I was really young as a head teacher as well. So I was a head teacher for you know all of their young lives as well um, to a great extent. So. I think then that I would still say I have a teacher identity, even though, you know, I've not been in the classroom. I I still do, um, you know, support schools um, through work I do uh, with a a London borough, for example. Um, And I have a, you know, big association with with initial teacher education still, which is is great. And I I still sort of teach or or supervise um, master students. So I have quite an involvement still um, within education. But but if you asked me, like on the spot, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I would say I have a teacher identity. Um, So and I think that's quite, quite interesting, isn't it? That's really embedded. I think the other thing, um, and I, I, you know, anyone who knows me would, you could probably say these words for me, but, you know, I will always, you know, if I'm talking and I always say, well, actually, if you, you know, if you broke my arm, you know, if you sort of snapped it in half, you'd, you'd see inclusion, you know, written round my, you know, my humerus like a stick of rock. <laughs> and I, yeah. I think, I mean, I, I love a visual metaphor anyway, but... Um, I well, that's a very graphic one you've given us there. <laughs> yeah. It's quite late at night. It's past nine o'clock. You're okay. We might have to give out a warning with this show. <laughs> but, um, but I think it, it's, you know, very early on, I, uh, I realised that I didn't have the skills to be able to teach the children that were in my class. Um, and it was, you know, as I, as I mentioned in a... Uh, in the middle of a, uh, you know, a large um, estate of um, uh, sort of flats and, and housing. 
um, in London, and and I'd done all my teacher training in Bath and and in a convent school in Chippenham, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. but something yeah. that I recall really really strongly was was that when I went in those days that you'd go for a sort of Ilya pool, you know, you'd get interviewed and and you mm-hmm. would then be assigned to a, both a borough and a school. Uh, and I remember, um, I remember the the inspector at the time. Um, it was actually John Stannard who went along on to do all of the sort of um, primary learning projects and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, saying, you know, do you do you feel ready to teach? And and I said no. Um, and it and I suppose you could argue it's a gamble, but I suppose you could also reflecting now. And I suppose I'm only really thinking about this now that that's part of my personality that's part of my um i guess my my stubbornness but also my um I don't know, my confidence that i felt able to say no um mm-hmm. and actually it was the right answer in the sense that he said well that's fine because we will we will help you now you know we will we will use this year of your what was i can't even think what we called it then it wasn't an nqt was it but anyway whatever mm-hmm. that first year of teaching was um yeah. to you know to help you become the teacher that you want to be and that was so empowering um and that was so freeing and it it enabled me to to recognize that you didn't have to come in with a with a shaped identity you could you know you could keep growing it and i think i'm quite passionate about that because so much of the information you know from um from research that that shows this sort of the, the dropout of teachers teachers leaving um teaching very early on you know within the first three to five years um yeah. you know, so often what what teachers are saying when they're leaving is is that you know they're they're not they're not coping it's workload it's it's behavior it's you know uh, it's a number of these things but in truth you could probably argue that it's all about dissonance that it's not you know it's not the job that mm-hmm. they it was going to be that's not the job they imagined that that they were going into they weren't the teacher they thought mm-hmm. they were and, and you know you work in initial teacher education i mean it's why yeah. it's why we're also so passionate about trying to you know if you like shake the tree to be able to make sure that these teachers you know go into teaching seeing themselves as teachers of all children yeah that's identity. Mm-hmm. it's tough it is tough it's a tough job it's a very tough job yeah yeah you said a couple of interesting things there that really resonated with me one was um you know maybe not unlike yourself you know i i went to primary school i went to grammar school i went on to university i spent a year two years in teaching in france and then i came back to northern ireland and uh I think my first three years were in a grammar school and that was all fine. Uh, that was contract work in those days. And then I went to an all intake secondary school mm. and that was a culture shock. Yeah. And so that was, what was that three and two, five years after, you know, getting a degree, yeah. I was faced with children. I, I, I didn't know what to do. These children didn't learn in the way that I had been taught and my five years experience in grammar schools here and, and in France had taught me. Yeah. Um, and a bit like you, I had to kind of 
just pause and think and, and, and work out, you know, what, what am I about here? What, what, what's going on? What do I need to do? These children need me and I need to be different. How do I do that? You know, it's very interesting. That resonated with me a lot. Yeah. yeah um, confidence to, to recognise that you need to be different. I mean, there's a huge amount of, of um, within teacher identity, about about I guess it's that sort of looking glass self you know that that being reflective now reflective is is quite an interesting word it's, it's certainly sort of you know popular in you know qualitative study um, research for example but I, I just like to think of it as being like a sort of meta reflection so you reflect on your reflections um yeah. now, you know, whether <laughs> whether others would agree with me or not but I think if you think about it, so it's not just looking in the mirror it, it's 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 sort of it's looking in a mirror thinking about what you're seeing about yourself and then it's returning to that at, mm -hmm. you know, at a later date or it's you know and, and that's why you know if, if you can and it's so difficult to do when you're full-on particularly in your first years of teaching but if you can just write down like simple notes to yourself you know write down you know, I love post-its, you know, write down just a couple of words on a post-it each night or, you know, just do a single line drawing, you know, every mm -hmm. night you can. And then return to those and see what they say to you, see what you think about what you thought then, even if that might be a day later or, or you know, three months later. I think we just, I know time is really hard, but yeah, I do think in terms of, of developing your teacher self, that mm -hmm. giving yourself permission and giving yourself, you know, simple tasks in which you can be reflective and then reflect on those reflections mm -hmm. is, is so valuable. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And I wonder, you know, is there a place in schools for that being structured? Um, I know I mentioned we have teacher tutors here, but, you know, teacher tutors are busy people. Uh, you know, they need to get their beginning teachers or newly qualified teachers into school, get them sorted out and get them up and running. Um, and there isn't, as you say, there isn't always time. And, oh, I don't know. Is there that commitment as well to take that kind of level of interest in young teachers and really bring them on and develop them, I wonder? I mean, they deserve it, don't they? I mean, our children, oh, they definitely our do. children deserve to have teachers, you know, yeah. and, you know, I'm a big fan of, of supervision, you know, and trying to hold variety of, of, of different ways, you know, with teaching is the only frontline profession where, you know, you're not required to have supervision and often you're, you're managing hugely complex things in terms of safeguarding and um, mm -hmm. just, you know, just just managing a child's progress is you know <laughs> harrowing you know so it is yeah. I think but it, it's it's about um, it's about finding ways within your team um, making sure that you know that there's a culture within the school that you go to where where actually even if it's a, a conversation at the end of the day with you know with your someone else within your year group or someone else in in the same key stage or even someone else you know um at, at the opposite end of the school for example that, mm -hmm. that some way of actually validating that process um, mm -hmm. is i think again schools are so good at supporting each other in that informal way 
the difficulty with not ever validating those conversations is that is that they sort of get they sort of get lost or they just become um expected so you don't value them in the same way that um that might be useful to you so i think there's this scope in there and i think it is all tied in with with your teacher identity because if you see yourself as a you know as part of your identity is you know someone who I'm, I'm a teacher who uh you know needs a lot of support um to be sure i'm doing the right thing if i'm if my ident identity is you know I'm, I'm a teacher who worries a lot about you know what i've um uh, that my children aren't making progress you know if you have a slightly okay. negative aspect to your identity and i suppose what we've not really explored is the sense that you can have multiple layers really you can you can be all of these things all of mm -hmm. these things at different times you know that's the um that's the the aspect of your um identity that's much more um uh, flexible really um yeah. and then you have your sort of core identity which is this sort of hold on to i suppose which is still based in that belief of who you want it to be as well Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think if we can find ways to sort of validate those in, informal conversations that really then support, um, so those support, but I, I, I talk a lot about turning the thermostat. We don't always have to do anything radical. We don't have to like, you know, completely, um, you know, turn the heating on or off. But if we just turn that thermostat, turn that dial slightly, um, it can make a, a huge amount of difference. So if in those conversations, if you not formalize to the extent that it becomes a, a tick box process, do you know what I mean? But actually, I do definitely know what you mean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Structure and a system whereby if you know that the person that you're going to have a sort of regular chat to actually does struggle with this aspect or is really confident in this aspect, then it's about shaping those conversations um yeah. to just sort of i guess to to boost up to remind to spot the positive to notice notice and, and support the future that you're talking to to notice where they have actually gone right where it has worked well and to build on that in the same way that we would want to do that with our children in the class it's a similar process yes yeah and yeah, there, there are, you know, very few opportunities really for that to happen. I know in Northern Ireland, um, we have what we call PRSD, um, Performance Review and Staff Development, and that, that's very formal, yeah. uh, you know, and, and you do have, you have an observation, you have a discussion, you have a pre-planning meeting and so on, and, and that's all fine and well. Mind you, it's not happening at the minute with union action, and, and that's a problem, but... Um, I, I do agree with you. When you put those things into a formal context, they become something very different. Yeah. But a senior or an experienced teacher who takes an interest in you and, you know, there's an open door at the end of the day and you go along, you have a chat, you kind of close your day before you go home or whatever, that's very, very beneficial. Yeah. Uh, it's a very powerful thing as well because I think that's almost like, person-centered advice you know they can tell you something very specific to you that someone in a formal context or setting couldn't maybe say yeah yeah, yeah. and you can build up much more rapport and much more trust with that kind of person how much 
I'm a big fan of professional conversations. I think, you know, it's a, it's a nice, it's, it's, a, it's an easy, it's an attainable way to think about um, uh, both sort of stepping up that, that notion of a chat at the end of the day. Um, yeah. So it, it, it really, um, in a way that, that anybody can be having those. And it actually sort of professionalizes um, yourself so you're bringing your your professional self to these conversations rather than your tired exhausted oh my goodness I want to go home mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. self mm -hmm. to those conversations actually mm -hmm. can we make time for a professional conversation at the end of the day I mean you know you have to be careful that there, there aren't notions of um, you know capability within that certainly not what I mean um, we need a professional conversation no, I don't yeah. know. I just mean that that let's take you know the teachers to take ownership of their, you know, of their own professional identity, but also their, their professional development in that way, I think is, is really important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I suppose something you mentioned just reminded me there as well. I think um, I began to make leaps and bounds, I think, as a teacher um, when I moved to one school and they were very keen on team teaching. Um, now, obviously, team tea is very expensive. You know, you have two teachers in a room. Uh, you know, you have quite a bit of manpower in there and so on, and there needs to be accommodation on the timetable and so on, you know. But uh, that business of planning that lesson together, that weekly lesson or a couple of lessons, um, delivering the lesson together, being in the room shoulder to shoulder with that senior colleague, and then that kind of informal debrief afterwards or semi-formal debrief afterwards, I find that very, very empowering. Yeah. Um, I tried to kind of, you know, when I was in a senior position, you know, to try to get it going again, but it's just a very expensive thing in many ways for schools to do again. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, in the context of, of teacher identity, you know, we have to recognise that personalities you know, form part of our, our teacher identity characteristics, and and for, you know, certainly would be true that for some teachers they would find that more difficult than others. It it, it very much depends how how it's set up, and and I think again it, it's about you know whether it's it's something that uh, you know the leadership decide this is this is what you're going to do um but actually don't necessarily put in the structures to manage that then it'll it'll fall flat quite quickly um mm -hmm. but if if actually it, it's it's much more of a notion of well actually the, you know these are our goals this is what we'd like you to try and do these are these are a number of ways in which you could be supporting each other's you know um uh, professional development you know this half term or, or this term um something that you know i know a number of teachers really enjoyed uh, i don't know they enjoyed doing but they were really supported to um recognize the value of it is is to sort of video themselves as well and and sort of mm -hmm. video that sort of micro teaching uh that we used to do way back in the old days but 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 in a much more you know modern sense and and in truth you know you don't have to share that video with anyone else if you don't want to you can just look at it yourself um but of course the more you can share and the more you can have those professional conversations around um good practice um mm -hmm. around uh you know where, where actually things could 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 be better developed or um you know lessons where you felt actually 
that didn't go the way I planned. I'm not sure what happened. Let's have a, you know, let's unpick this then. And, and we, we, we are committed to doing that, I think, through, um, you know, with, with ECTs, with early career teachers. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, you know, teaching is a, you know, you grow as a teacher, don't you? You grow as a professional. <laughs> Your identity, you know, is able to, to, to be flexible and grow and shape with you. Yeah. Sort of um, get a bit stuck and static, and um, and your skills get stuck and static as well. So I think anything that that supports ongoing teacher development is is great. But I think that's a very important point as well that we we do grow as teachers, and then our identity kind of moves with that a little bit as well. And it's a bit maybe like you know climbing the mountains. You know you're you're plodding along, going along not you know you know realizing until you know you reach a point and you look back down the mountain and you see how far you've come it's kind of the same in school you know you get a few years under your belt you're thinking you're reflecting and reflecting on reflection and then a new wave of teachers come in and you kind of think oh my goodness i remember i used to be like that yeah. and you kind of realize you know, the ground has shifted yeah i was thinking maybe i'd, I'd I'm terrible on remembering my children laugh at me because I can't remember, you know, three three word names or anything like that. But I think it's called it's either called Twelve Peaks or Nine Peaks. <laughs> but it's a mm -hmm. film um by um uh, he was he was a girl I think it's called Nimstyle. But it's the most amazing film. But I was thinking when you were talking about going up a mountain, actually it's maybe it is more like sort of this idea of going up he went up all I'm going to I'm so sorry for anyone who knows the, the proper answer to this, but he was going up all the peaks um in the Himalayas. Yeah. And, um uh and and actually maybe teaching like that in the sense that even in your you know in your training you can feel like you can suddenly get to the top and you can see around you can see a vista and then mm -hmm. you realize you've got to go back down and then you've got to go up another one but actually yeah. it's about taking the time and i think this is really where those teachers with strong teacher identities do have those moments to stop and take in that that sort of awe and wonder if you like the, the joy of the job the joy of teaching yeah and i talk quite a lot about the joy of teaching because i do you know i i think it is joyful and you know i'm sure people will be listening thinking oh my goodness what what is she talking about but yeah. i you know i love the job I, I, it was it was really difficult you know frequently but mm -hmm. actually a strong part of my teacher identity was i suppose um uh, was also having those characteristics of being able to spot the positive, to notice the good, to notice the good in people, to notice where it's going right. It's very easy to see where things are going wrong. I think it's too easy. Um, mm -hmm. We have to work sometimes to see, what, see what's going well. And that's not being, you know, um, uh, you know, having a very sort of idealistic attitude. I, I genuinely think that that's what's possible um, and will make a difference to whether you can sustain the job or whether you know it, it, it can be too much for you yeah 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 i think that's very important that we do celebrate and we celebrate even the small wins and the big wins uh, and we are busy yeah. and we don't always have time to do that because the next peak is, is there 
And, you know, it's a hard climb, as you say, and we kind of feel we don't really have time to, to celebrate always. Yeah. I remember once uh, telling a mentor, uh, <laughs> your story about the peaks reminded me about this. I remember telling a mentor once that um, I, I felt that teaching was a bit like Sisyphus and Sisyphus was condemned to pushing the rock up to the the top of the hill and it would roll back down again and i remember i actually remember it very clearly i remember the room we were in although this is you know 30 plus years ago and i remember he turned around and he just laid into me how dare you say that it's nothing like sisyphus at all sisyphus climbed the same mountain if you're climbing the same mountain all the time you're not growing young boy and oh my god was, was was i ever sorry i thought i had a good metaphor bad because actually i um, I put a poem about Sisyphus at the start of my book, A Workload, so now I'm going to have to sort of, you know, recall. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> right. Still, I think in principle, I think, the, I think the metaphor holds good. And that's the thing about metaphors. They only last, you know, they don't, they don't cover everything. Yeah. Um, checked, by the way, Paul, it's 14 peaks. Nothing is impossible in this film is called 14 peaks, not nine, not 12, 14 peaks. 14 peaks. We'll put that in the show notes anyhow. And, and when people are picking it up as a podcast, they'll, they'll be able to look that up. Yeah. I wonder then, Julie, just as I'm listening to you, I'm wondering um, uh, how much, you know, we, we've talked a lot about um reflection reflecting on reflection and getting a lot of that from you know maybe other people mentors for for want of a better word advisors supporters um teacher tutors and so on i wonder how much does the situation and the circumstances that we're in how much does that have an impact on our teacher identity like for example you know, I said to you, I went to primary school, grammar school, university, and, you know, floated away off and taught in lovely grammar schools and it was all fantastic and wonderful, you know. But then got a culture shock when I had to move to a secondary school and, and taught people who were not interested in the finer points of French verbs at all. And not the way you were teaching them at that point, you see. And very definitely not the way or the manner in, in, in which uh, I was uh, teaching them, yeah. So I, I'm just wondering how, uh, you know, the day-to-day -day knocks of the job have an impact on our identity. Oh, yeah, hu hugely. I mean, I think, you know, going back to that, that school um, childhood elements, it's often referred to as your sort of institutional biography. Um, yeah. And again, that... that really I think it's a really important notion um, recognizing our own biographies and how our own narratives are, are built and made up and and how we use those um, and I think that um, uh, so for example you know um, within these these sort of institutional biographies often we'll hold a you know, we'll remember really happy memories from our childhood. We don't remember, you know, all of the days in school where actually maybe, 
you know, we didn't go or, or um, you know, we were made to, to do um, PE without any PE kit or, do you know, mm-hmm. made to, you know, we do, if we, if we think hard enough, we do remember some of those unpleasant memories. What we don't remember is all the mundane stuff in between. We don't, yeah. And actually, mm-hmm. that's, that, a lot of that makes up um, the job of a teacher and a lot of that often uh, are the bits that, that teachers struggle with um, as well. So, so yes, teachers do do find you know often find uh, you know those children who whose behaviour can can present a challenge um, to teachers in their classroom. You know, we we know from teacher narratives that this this um, can often be be a sort of um, crunch point for them. But in, yeah. in truth, we also know that it's it's a lot of that mundanity. It's a lot of the of the oh my goodness I've got to write reports now and you know um, uh, and I used to pride myself on reading every school report um, for, mm-hmm. for you know all of the primary school children every year and sign them and write a little comment and and for me that was really important part of my head teacher identity not not mm-hmm. because because actually I wanted the children to, to know and I wanted the parents to know that actually. They, their child was important to me, so it was really important to read their reports. But I both loved it and loathed it at the same time. And you can mm-hmm. because in yeah. terms of, of the amount of time it took, you can imagine, was just... Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to validate the work that the teachers had put into writing them. I mean, that, what was it just before we came on, someone talking about AI, you know... Yes, in the news, yes. Yeah. Because there is something whilst it's an arduous process and and you know we could look at the the impact in terms of attainment of writing reports the process of writing reports we're pretty sure because it's part of an assessment for learning mm-hmm. that it would yes. would make a difference to how teachers teach if they do their reports in good enough time to still impact on the children um mm-hmm. But also it does make a difference generally to the child's well-being, the family's well-being, you know. And so me in turn as a head teacher reading those reports, I thought was really important to 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 impact on the teacher's well-being, to actually recognise the work that they've put into it and, and to feedback on them and to you know, to thank them as well. I mean it's yeah. It does make a difference, doesn't it? I think that probably went slightly off point somewhere, but <laughs> don't don't worry. Yeah. yeah. No, don't worry, yeah. Um no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think all communication uh emanating from school and landing home, I, I think it's all crucial, crucial, crucial stuff. We used to um we used to run half termly assemblies where we would give out, um, you know, merit certificates and uh, kind of recognition and appreciation for something that students have done over and above what we would call the normal. Mm. And uh, I was post-primary, of course, 11 to 19. And, you know, you get to that age and particularly the girls, you know, you get to that teenage and they're very self-conscious. And uh, I, I used to always like running those assemblies like the Oscars and uh, you would call them up and I I remember one girl in particular uh, great girl fantastic girl but my goodness she could be difficult 
And I called out her, let, let's call her Lisa. And I said, and the award for whatever goes to Lisa. And she let a roar out of her. Oh my God, I'm scundered. I'm scundered. And she stormed up onto the stage, big exaggerated steps, came across the stage, shook my hand, took the certificate and stuffed it up her jumper and walked on off the stage. And you kind of think, you know, well, sure, look, you know, we're better doing it than not doing it and all of that, you know. And I remember a while later, I don't know how long it was, but let's say it was three months later, six months later, I was doing a homeschool visit. We would have done a lot of that. Mm. And lo and behold, wasn't I in their house? And mummy invited me in as they do and so on. And then we went to the kitchen. Will you have a cup of tea, Mr. Hazard? Thank you. Didn't I look up on the kitchen cabinet? There's the certificate, pride of place in the kitchen. So, you know, things we do like that are are very, very important. And I always thought, you know, well, that, that, I've only got the vocabulary for it now. But what I'm thinking is that validated my identity and what I do and why I do it very very much because while it was happening i thought well well, question this is it worthwhile is it you know it's it's a lot but yes it is definitely is worthwhile because you know i I sort of mentioned inclusion through me like a stick of rock but i'm going to pick you up because you said that she was difficult and i think that's a really good tale in which you can see that her behavior could be difficult yeah you know and so because that's really important again thinking you know about how you know uh, so children are not their behavior you know it's about how you can you can recognize that and the more that you build those understanding into your own teacher identity as well mm-hmm. um, that um, and sometimes you know lots of teachers will have struggled themselves at school um and that can be a, you know a really strong part of their you know their own identity as well isn't it Yes, that's an interesting thing, and it's it's probably something we haven't touched on, and we're kind of running out of time now to do it. But you know, people's motivation for becoming teachers, because yeah. I think that's very very linked uh, to their identity. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. You know, as well, we've got to remember that you know, in primary schools, but you know, also in secondary schools, you know, so much of that. The teacher identity is is also sort of you know bound up in those sort of historical and sociological sort of um uh you know studies will show that they're, they're bound in the sort of late 19th early 20th century and and, and so mm-hmm. others others outside of also have this sense of what a teacher is because they have this sort of notion of mr chips or they have this notion of you know um, yeah you know a, a sort of um uh you know in a victorian or edwardian school in front of a of a class for example and and yeah. we we've, we've tried over the years now and then to sort of shake some of that um that perception but but somehow we keep coming back to it maybe we come back to it because it's the most effective but i think we also there's a danger in which we come back to it because actually you know that the um the pressure to to ensure that teachers stick within the identity that others want to impose upon them. This is what teachers look like. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's quite strong. I think that's an interesting one to to explore, mm-hmm. isn't it? But you've got all these things like, you know, forest schools now and, and you know, mm-hmm. the needs of, of 
um, some children who, who maybe have found it really difficult to have their needs met within schools, um, traditional schools, but but actually, you know, probably most children would benefit from <laughs> from having a lot more, you know, outdoor education and, and forest schools type uh, approach to learning as well. So, I think very definitely, yes, yeah, yes, I very definitely would, yeah. Mm -hmm. I many teachers really wanting to be outside in wellies and raincoats all the time, though. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I suppose, again, and I'm, I'm kind of wary of, um, you know, opening up another issue, but uh, uh, something, you know, a few other things we maybe should have got to. Um, it's just that whole business of, um, you alluded to it earlier, but how parents and you know the moment the politics of the moment i know we both avoid politics but the climate the times how that shapes teachers identity as well because you know we, we can't avoid it because parents tell us things parents ring in they say things and, and this that and the other and that does have an impact on us and who we are and how we behave well, definitely i mean it, it's it's a profession that is reliant on good relationships, isn't it? You know, and I think, um, you know, it's very, I'm trying to think if it's even possible to do the job without good relationships, mm. um, you know, because even if maybe you're not, you know, you, you don't, I'm trying to think of a teacher who maybe doesn't have good relationships with colleagues, for example, but but would have good relationships with the children. I think if you had no good relationships, I don't think you could stay in the job, could you? You'd be very, very unhappy and make everybody else unhappy, I should think. But because relationships are so, so much at the core of it, mm -hmm. it it's, it's sometimes we lose sight of that. So as you mentioned, sort of, you know, different political sways, different, um, uh, different sort of media interests, different, um, you know, at, at the moment you mentioned, you know, teacher strikes and, and thinking about um, how, how again, that, that changes the media perception. Um, it certainly was, was true for nurses as well, wasn't it? You know, in COVID, yeah. you no know, wrong. You know, these are the same people doing the same, same job in the same circumstances and mm -hmm. people just maybe wanting some, you know, wanting some change. And I think that's, it's about how, how you maintain your identity, your strength, mm -hmm. um, an identity which enables you to stay passionate about your job when you feel you're feeling overwhelmed by those external forces of media, of, you know, uh, of social media, which, which really filters the sort of perceptions that are being thrown at you. You have to be really strong and real sense of, of self, don't you? A strong sense of confidence to be able to say, actually, you know, we are doing a good job. We're doing a job because actually we can see here, here and here that this is working well. Actually, I recognise that I'm a good teacher. I'm uh -huh. teaching all children because this child here is doing this and this child here has done that. You know, yeah. this group of children are able to do this. We have to hold on to that. It's like, you know, I think, you know, testing is hugely important, isn't it? It enables us to recognise where children are at and, and how they can, we can support them to do better. We can teach them to be better. That's our job. Uh, I think that's very true. 
Yes, I really do. And I think we have a big job to, you know, to inspire uh, children and, and to kind of transmit some of that belief that we have. Because if our belief begins to falter, we will be really struggling to kind of transmit self-belief into those children. And I think you're right. We do need some protection and armor against, you know, the media. And you mentioned social media, which I think is really, really divisive and very able to break teachers. You know, we all carry our phones in our hands. So, you know, parents making comments about teachers and social media in the evenings can be devastating. Absolutely. Uh, it's just whispering yeah. in your ear, isn't it? And it's, you know, yeah, you yeah. Know, you know, not to, not to be on any sort of social media, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. when you're sort of, um, uh, you know, when you're working in a community i think it's about again how do you maintain good relationships you maintain good relationships to an extent by wearing some rose tinted specs as well as you know, protecting yourself from yeah from, mm -hmm. from, from the, from the oh, yeah. yeah and i do and i think yes you have to hold um you know positive regard for everybody um and you know that that includes times when you're you know getting uh you know, getting it yourself. We used to say in briefings now, we did tell teachers, you know, to be very careful of their social media and, you know, really they shouldn't, they shouldn't be on there as a teacher or at least not an identifiable teacher. No, yeah. it should be in a sort of codes of conduct, really, certainly up sort of IT um, codes of conduct as well. I think it's, it's really important for, for safeguarding purposes for, you know, for yeah. them, but also for, for the families as well. I, I was yeah. just thinking actually when you were talking then, I, I'm not sure why it cropped into my head, but but actually um, I think having an identity as a as a as a fallible teacher is quite important. Um, because I think sometimes, you know, when you're saying about parents complaining, but actually sometimes it is really important to say sorry. That actually if you, you know, so if you believe you're infallible as a teacher, that your, you know, your professional identity means that you can't be wrong and that, you you know, it, it's not okay for parents to question you. Actually, if you turn that on its head and think, well, you know, how, you know, how would you feel if you were, if you were the other side of that. And I think in, and recognizing that as as teachers, as as school leaders as well, when we when something does go, you know, a bit pear shaped, something didn't happen the way we wanted it to. Um, yeah. sometimes sorry can be really difficult, but actually is really important and is really valued as well. Um, yeah. No, I would agree with you. Yes. I think it can be difficult. Uh, it definitely can be difficult, but I think you benefit from it in the long run. Yeah. You have to be the best Julie, we, we are running out of time, but I have Hugo, and Hugo would like to ask a question. Hello, Hugo. Are you there? Hello, Hugo. We'll give Hugo a second to see if he can join us. But Hugo, Hugo, are you there? Hello. Can, Hello. Can you hear me? Ah, we've got you now, Hugo. Yes. Do you have a question? Uh, not really a question. I just wanna uh, to participate. Well, first of all, uh, sorry, but I haven't practiced my English for so long. I'm a, a teacher from Mexico. 
And I just want to say that uh, being a teacher is probably one of the most beautiful professions in the world. I agree, Hugh. Why? Absolutely. Yes, why? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, you are in front of a lot of people, okay? So is that just about giving the class and the grammar? I mean, uh, the topic you are, you are giving, it is about uh, giving experiences, okay? Probably help some students who really need to because they sometimes uh, are going through difficult times. So yes, uh, in that in that case, you, you can you can also help them. Not, uh, as I said before, not not just give the class and that's it. So I just wanted to say that that, that uh, teaching is really good, and I just uh, join you guys. And again, sorry, but I haven't practiced my English, and I did my best. <laughs> Thank you. It sounds like you, have you a certainly did. Identity, Hugo. That's really good. <laughs> yes, you do. And Hugo, your English was excellent. Yes, superb. Thank you very much for your contribution. No, thank you for listening to me. Thank you, Hugo. for everyone. Yes, you too. Yeah. So, Julie, I think. We talked about a lot of things, but I think there's as much and maybe more to talk about another time in terms of teacher identity. Uh, but we really are out of time. One of the things we do on this program is we always ask a question towards the end. If you had a magic wand and you just had one spell you could cast, what change would you make to education that would significantly improve the lot of teachers? It's a good question. I, I often used to say to parents, I don't have a magic wand. I don't have a magic wand, but, but I we can help. We can we can do practical things. So so I, I love that that notion of, of a of a wand really. But I mean I you know, part of my strong professional identity is, is being a teacher of all children. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'd I'd really love to wave a wand. Um and ensure that this is sort of felt all teachers coming into the profession, teachers who are in the profession, teachers who've been in the profession a long time. So they didn't just feel it on an emotional level, because we all want to be, we all think we can be a teacher of all children, but so not just on a, an idealistic level, but that they believe themselves capable of being that teacher of all children. Um, mm. And in which case that wand would need to make sure that the systems were in place to ensure that the skills that all teachers needed match their belief in their own capability yeah mm -hmm. big wand <laughs> big a big wand indeed <laughs> a big wand and a big wish yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah well let's hope we make some advances towards that yeah julie it's been great having you on the program i've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you, Thank you. um as I say, there's probably an awful lot more to talk about in terms of teacher identity. Um, maybe we'll get to do that at some stage in the future. Yeah, but Julie, thank you very much. Great. Thank you so much, Paul. Have a good evening. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. You too. Bye, everybody. Bye.